0: This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 240th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Normally, on the midweek podcast, we uh, preview the the upcoming game, but today we have President Rich McKay stopping by for a interview session. Did with the AJC with myself and Steve Hummer, So we're going to give you all of that today. We'll preview the Chiefs real quick. Hey, the defending Super Bowl champs, Kansas City Chiefs, they're pretty good. They got a quarterback, his name's Patrick Mahomes. He can throw the ball any kind of way. He's throwing throw a lot of touchdown passes. Got a guy named Frank Clark on the defensive side. He's mean. So, and, and then lastly, Travis Kelsey, he's a pretty good tight end. Tyreek Hill's kind of fast. Yeah, going to be a long day in Kansas City unless the Falcons, uh, you know, go out there and, you know, make this their Super Bowl and just go after it. I'm sure they're going to try it. But Kansas City just got too much. They, uh, Kelsey, 98 catches, 1,318 yards and 10 touchdowns. There you have it. That's your preview of the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's get to the President, Rich McCain. All things about the search for the general manager and the new football coach. He gives a lot of insight on uh, hiring, um, you know, going back to Tony Dungy, talking, you know, like talk about Bobby Petrino, uh, then the Mike Smith and then Dan Quinn, you know, all those searches that he oversaw. So let's get right to it. Here's Falcons president Rich McKay.
2: He was. Uh... The fact that it took us to hire Tony, um, that shouldn't happen. He shouldn't have hired. Tony. Right. 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 His resume, he's the example, Steve, of a guy who was getting knocked on the fact that he's not self-promoting, he's not he's not trying to get D Led to write something about
0: him, he's not trying to he doesn't do any of that. And yet his resume was just ridiculous. You know, even as a coordinator at age twenty-seven, you know, just for the Steelers. Um, you know, walk-on at Minnesota starting quarterback. Walk-on at Steelers starting safety in Super Bowl. I mean, just – so that was – he was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has, the, has the talent level of the team been overstated? And that's why we're seeing the losing seasons, the 7-9, seven, 7-9, nine, seven, nine, 4, and well, maybe 6-10 if you can get there. It's a good question, d I don't think I'm going to answer it. I think I'll leave that to um, – I think in-season, I'd rather,
2: that's a postseason question. Okay. So, you know what I mean? I just, I'd rather, I, I'm, I'm proud of our football team for one thing, and that is working their ass off to get ready every week and play a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm as disappointed with the record as you are.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, where does Raheem stand? I mean, they've played hard for him. Uh, results have been, been tough, but uh, where does he stand in the process? He will, he will definitely in the process be interviewed. Um, he's earned that right.
2: Um, I've known Raheem a long time. Um, when we hired him in Tampa uh, as an assistant secondary coach? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he—he uh, um, he is really a good football coach. He is, you know, he inherited a situation. we were zero and 5 uh, We You're an interim coach with eleven weeks to go. That's how uh, That's more than challenging. Um, so he, he's earned that right to be interviewed, and he will. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do you have a preference as to uh, the order here, uh, GM first, then coach, or do you going to try to marry the two somehow? Really hard, Steve. This is a really, you know, so, so just think back to the, to the Mike Smith and Thomas you know, Dimitrov uh, time period. Um, we, we went in there, and, and it was probably, you know, because I, I used to be to the GM, so it's the first time I've hired a GM, been part of that. And and we went in with the idea of, well, let's hire the GM first, right? Let's do that and let's have the GM be part of the process. Well, we just couldn't make it happen. We were going through the process, interviewing people. We had a bunch of um, uh, GM interviews in person. Uh, New England would not allow us to interview Thomas in person so we were doing a literal webinar, uh, which let me just say this to you, was not this clear. We did not exceed any Lincoln in what we saw. Um, And uh, it made it difficult. We ended up hiring Thomas kind of agreeing on Thomas after we had taken Mike Smith all the way to the end so before we pulled the trigger on Mike Smith as the hire we let Thomas come in and talk to him um, but that was a two-hour meeting and that was you know that that's what it was. I can't predict for you how this one will play out. It'd be nice you know that, that, um, that, that the GM's hired before the coach but it could very well be that the coach is hired before the GM either way, the mix of the two does matter. It does matter. Uh, and you want to make sure that you've got a commonality of plan and they understand and there's communication. But I don't think you can just dictate the timing. And it has worked hiring the coach first for other teams. It has, absolutely. I've seen it. I've seen it. And I've seen it lately. I've seen it lately where heck, GMs have been hired a year later by coaches and it's worked. Obviously in Buffalo, it's, it's worked very well. So, right. you know, it's. it's, it's, it's I, I said to somebody the other day, they asked me this question, we were talking about it, and I don't know that I like it on the record, but I'll just tell you that I said, you know, it is a tale as old as time on who should go first and how. It, it's just, it depends on the individuals. Your job is to try to make these individuals such that they can get along and they can get the best out of each other,
0: and it depends on who they are as to how it's going to get set up. Mm-hmm. And what will be the uh, role of analytics? We hear a lot of that out of Charlotte. And then how do you mess that with the, um, the, the, the Arthur talking about the, uh, let me see, I got it. the six core values must be exemplified. Okay,
2: so the six core values are because we always have the book in front of us. Yeah. right? The uh, and then uh, I would say analytics is playing going to play a part of everything we do in sports today. Um, whether whether we're selling tickets, I was on a ticket call this morning. Whether we, you know analytics plays a part in all that, I'd say for us, for instance, in our GM research, we've had you know Vassie's group do a media counter review of each candidate. We've had our analytics group do an analytics review of each candidate, their draft, their free agency. If they were pro guys, we looked at free agency. If they were college guys, we looked at draft. So analytics. You know, that world is uh, is important thomas did a, did a really good job as a general manager and driving that uh we you know we've created a football analytics department he really created it and um they'll play a part mm-hmm. it would be up obviously to the gm and the coach as to how much they're going to incorporate that into their daily use okay but i would tell you we're as, as an organization between dan and thomas we were definitely one that was driving towards using a lot of that uh, information mm-hmm. how how competitive do you see this uh, this process here this year because there's going to be several steve it's, it's a good question and the answer is your if, uh, manager as well as coach owners. yeah i think the, the answer is back to what we talked about you know before when you, when you brought up the, uh, the bad name um uh, it'll be competitive but it can't drive your timeline right you have to let the interviews happen. You have to take your time. You have to get it right, and you can't get caught up in the moment because. Um, I and mean, I think we'll be good at that because I think we've learned, and that's what we did. Um, even in, even in the last one when we interviewed, I mean there were a number of teams that wanted to hire Dan Quinn, and we knew that that you know we had a problem because you're not allowed to hire him as, as he's proceeding through, um, and that meant other candidates were leaving. And they were just leaving, and we were okay. We said, okay, we, we still have a big list. We can still, if we don't get Dan, we still have a big list. And I think that's the way you have to look at this. I believe our job will be attractive. I believe that, that these jobs start with ownership. That's how people measure them. I mean, I just know I, I once was looking for a job, and I was only thing I worried about was ownership. The second thing was, where am I going to live? And that's going to matter to me. Um, and then I'll worry about the football team because, in my mind, the parity in, in the league, and I don't think a lot of people heard of this thing, competitive balance, where we are as <laughs> a league, because parity is somehow uh, negative, you can win in this league very quickly. I mean, we took an 07 4-12 team that many people said we weren't going to win forever, and we won the next year and we're in the playoffs. Should sure, not won a playoff game on the road on Arizona. I'm still pissed. Um, but it happens. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the sales ticket. I mean, you're going to have to sell yourself as well as candidates selling you. And yes. what, do you th- what do you think your, the key ingredients are that will make you the most attractive place to win? Ownership, 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 now, Steve. I think it starts with people that are willing to give you all the support you need to win, willing to give you all the um, finances you need to win, and, and, and are not going to live their life um, second-guessing everything you do. And I think, Arthur, does that extremely well uh, you know we had one GM over the last 12 plus years there are teams in our league that had seven GMs in that time mm-hmm. many of them had four a lot of them had three so it's you know I think we've proven that we you know that there, there's a way to let them do their their gig and us give them the support they they need um, and I think that will sell I think that sells well and I think Atlanta is a really good place to live and I think
1: the
0: guys in our league know that mm-hmm. and uh or y'all do you structure wise are we going back to or staying with the co-team builder approach or will the gm have uh you know kind of round wolf traditional gm powers
2: uh and the coaches it's, it's a good question the answer is going to depend on the people right it's going to depend on who those people are, and what their skill set is. Are they a first-time GM? Mm-hmm. Are they a veteran GM? Are they a first-time coach? Are they a veteran coach? Mm-hmm. You know, in Mike and Thomas, we were we were two first-timers, right? First-time GM, first-time coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went more traditional. We went, Thomas, okay, you've got all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then when,
0: we, when Dan came, you know, we had a different situation. We had three teams trying to hire him at the same time we were. And the way we, we split it up at that point was we gave Thomas 90, and gave Dan fifty three. Um, I, I don't know what that answer would be. It will depend on the people, what their strengths are, and what you know. What they give us is a vision and why why they want what they may want from a structure standpoint. And what made um, Anthony and Rick Smith uh, attractive to you to interview virtually? Since we and have we that on the record,
2: we can't we can't um, can't talk to anybody. From- We can't interview anybody that's on, you know, works for another team until the season's over. Uh, Rick is, you know, out on the street, so we could interview Rick. I know Rick. You know, I've worked with Rick for a lot of years. He's on a competition committee with me for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. So I knew Rick. Rick's a very qualified candidate. Mm -hmm. Rick's going to get interviewed by every team, and he should. And then Anthony Robinson's the example of the guy that literally has, he has worked it up and gone all the way in this process, been, uh, you know, a director of college scouting, somebody we have a lot of respect for. I think has a lot of runway. Mm-hmm. So those were just two we wanted to do. Uh, it gave us an opportunity to figure out, as we're doing today, how does this all work virtually? Give an opportunity to interview. You know, we, it was it was a good experience for us. Those are two really good candidates. So we we're happy to do it. Arthur, you know, it was it was, a, it was very productive. It was not quite like Thomas's, where I think I was looking at a phone and trying to see if I could see him. <laughs> It, it was so hard to see in those days on the WebEx or whatever we were using uh, in those days. A little better now. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, and part of that process is, um, how, what do you tell the, the next GM as to what your role is going to be going down the road? And, and do you have to make any sort of assurances that, that, that you are going to be in the... Yes, yeah, so, so I would say it'd be similar to uh, what, or what he wants to do. Yeah, if you look back at, at 07, we had the same kind
0: of discussion then, right? I was coming out of being the GM. All of a sudden now, I'm just going to spend time as the president, and everybody's like Let me pause right there. That's the big question kind of tailed off. Uh, Hummer was asking Rich McKay, hey, what do you got to tell the candidates to assure them that you're not going to be in the way of what they want to do? And he has a pretty revealing answer. I know there's been some talk out there about Rich's role and what does he do and is he in the way. And um, I think he gives a great response. I'm not going to speak for him here, but uh, I think it's telling that he hasn't been in a draft meeting or a free agency meeting since 07. But here's Rich McKay answering that question. And, you know, so I kind of say it this way. I haven't sat in a draft meeting since 07. I haven't sat in a free agency meeting
2: since 07. I go to the same meetings that Arthur goes to. So we'll go to the summary meetings and we'll say, hey, what are we doing this week and why? And we'll go to this free agency meeting and we'll say, what are we doing this week and why? Show me the salary cap budget. Show you know, I'll do that. Um, I won't. Shame on me if I were to try to make a decision that way because I haven't watched the tape. I haven't seen the players. You know what I mean? I'm running the business side of the business, and on the football side, I'm trying to give them enough support so that I know when they need something, we give it to them. Um, and if they want to ask me a question, in which they do, they're going to ask me. I'll I'll give my opinion, but I'm never going to I'm never going to go down that path of uh, uh, because I, I don't. If you don't spend the work. I I've been a GM. I, I would not be happy if somebody came in and said to me, "Let's draft uh, Steve," and let's not draft Steve led. I haven't seen the tape. Now, I'm going to ask you, hey, you want Steve, tell me why, and you're going to tell me why, and we're going to, you know, that, so that's kind of the way we look at it. The only change we made last year when we um, were going to make it, but it didn't really happen because of COVID, was that I went from spending probably three days a week, you know, at CD let out or a couple days a week at Flower Branch, and, and a couple days at Stadium, mm-hmm. so I was going to spend five days a week at the, at the Flower Branch. Didn't mean I was going to meet with Dan and uh, Thomas, but I was going to spend five days a week out there, give Fire Branch a little more attention. Um, COVID team, and that didn't happen. We closed uh, March 13th, and that was the end of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, how are you all uh, pick-wise and salary cap-wise? My agent people keep pointing me to Jacksonville. They got all these picks and all this money, and maybe Trevor Lawrence. Um, so, I mean, that might be a destination for folks, but how are you all painting that picks and salary cap issue?
2: We like our core players. We have some players here that are very good players playing at a high level. Maybe Jared, I mean, just went to football last night. Mm-hmm. And we have players playing at a high level that are getting paid a lot of money, and therefore they impact the cap. So I think that there's no question, D led, that pick wise, I, I want to say this to so I get it right. Mm-hmm. I think we only have six picks out of the seven rounds. I don't think we have a seventh-round pick. I think we traded it, right, David? And I think we're going to get between one and three top picks. Okay. So we'll end up with, let's call it, eight or nine picks. I, I'm not sure. Okay. uh, uh salary cap, wise we're tight to the cap. Um, we have a lot of players under contract. There, there's no question that a GM and a coach with a shared vision will have a way to maneuver that. Um, and, and, you know, I did grow up at a time – Learning when I was in Tampa, where you know we had a lot of good players and, and we were tight to the cap, and we actually on certain weeks we did not have our full lot of practice squad players because we could not afford to have them practice because we couldn't afford to have them hit the cap. So I've seen tight caps. I'm convinced that people will view that as something that is um, maneuverable, if that's a word. Okay. Even if that's a word, I don't know if that's a uh, maneuverable. Word. That right? Why not? Well, yeah. I'm yeah, we'll I gotta smell it. Starts with him. Yeah. Hey, last one for me. You've, uh, uh, you oversaw the building of a one and a half billion dollar stadium. Uh, and that's gonna stay up for a couple decades, I would imagine. Uh, but is it teams come and go? Is it harder to build a team than it is this big stadium? Uh, or the chat more challenging? I, like, uh, the, the stadium that's um, a good point, a good question. So I would say to you that the, the, the one in Tampa that we did uh, was harder than the one here. The one in Tampa was so contentious, and, you know, I was just sitting out there just getting, you know, hit every freaking day uh, on, you know, the, that, that stadium was very tough because really the, the stadium in that one, Steve, was if we don't get the vote, we'll move it. Right. right. So people don't take that well, right? There was... There was, it was, and we won by half a percent, three quarters of a percent um, in the vote. In this one, you know, Arthur's not leaving. Arthur, you know, we, we, we never tried to play hardball. So I would say the hard thing in this one was getting people to realize that there was a timetable that we needed to push in order to get it built. And they just wouldn't believe us on that. And eventually they did. And still, what, what did we do? We finished. <laughs> a week before the first game, and we really didn't even finish. So it shows you how, I think, in this one, the process was easier. The getting it over the final finish line and then the design and the build, much harder, much harder. In Tampa, we didn't do any of that. We just showed up and the stadium was finished. So, but is team building harder than building building? I think team building has more um, variables that you don't get to control. And those variables uh, are are extremely frustrating at times, and therefore it, it, it definitely has a element to it that is frustrating and challenging. Whether that's injuries, whether you know whatever it may be, teams in your division all of a sudden get great. You know, there's just so many things that happen um, that I think um, I really felt like in 04, You know, I I felt like. With that team, and I inherited a lot of that team, I thought we were going to win the Super Bowl. I was pretty convinced of it, um, and, and we didn't. And and so I, I would have told you three years ago we were going to win the Super Bowl, and we didn't. And so it's frustrating. Uh, there are plenty of challenges in team building.
0: Great, mm-hmm. you uh, Yeah, we're up against it. I, I uh, just have one more on um, – well, you wouldn't ask my uh, – the, the, about the talent, uh, but just the, the, how much the scheme play in it, you know, what the guys present and, and the staff uh, that they bring, that they're bringing with them, um, you know, how much presentation do they have to make with regards to, you know, who's coming with you? Uh, what are you going to do with the, the, the football part of it? So um,
2: I'll let you just a little under the ten on how that works. <laughs> so what um... – Coaches will tell you, and I don't mean this in a negative way, right? Mm -hmm. Or or they'll say, oh, you know, hey, here's why I got. David coming as my coordinator. I got D-Lev coming on defense. I got Steve coming on special teams. And then amazingly, when they move in, you're like, hey, well, where is this? Oh, Steve can't come. He stayed. Where is David? No, David can't come. He stayed. So I think what you do in coaches is you want to hear that. You want to hear what they're saying, but you also want to understand scheme, okay, you say you're getting D-led, you say he runs this scheme, tell me why, tell how our players fit, how do you see it in the future, you know, tell us all that, because I'm still not thoroughly convinced that you're coming, because you're probably under contract to another team that does not have to grant us permission to mm-hmm. let you come, and so um, I always say that my greatest example, that was Tony Dungy, mm-hmm. you know, was very specific to me that Jim Haslett was coming as a coordinator, going to be a great coordinator, really liked him and then Jim Hazlitt's wife was pregnant he didn't come mm-hmm. we got this other guy the linebacker coach Monty Kiffin he'll come and you know I would say Monty Kiffin turned out to hear so it just those things um you want to ask them you want to hear their thought process you want to hear names mm-hmm. but you know you want to also be a little you want to understand it may not happen in Dan Quinn's case, I will say, he was very specific in the interview. Mm-hmm. I want Kyle Shane. Mm-hmm. I want that scheme, and I want him. And so if you remember, um, and I think we had people write articles trying to get us in trouble over this, but which, which we were not in trouble for, you know, we actually hired Kyle before we hired Dan. Right. And, and that was because we knew that was a big part of what we liked, uh, and, uh, and it, it appealed to us. Uh, it was a scheme we had... One before, back in the Michael Vick days, and and so it was a scheme, you know, that we were interested in getting back to, and um, that's what we did. So I would say, in that case, yes, you know, we, we did we did listen to it, and yes, that that uh, person did come, but it's not always guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So everything will start after the
0: end of the season. I mean, i will pick up. I mean, I sure y'all got stuff yes, to do was. in the meantime. Think of this from a timeline standpoint. Mm-hmm. The night after
2: everybody's last game, so that's Sunday so, night, Sunday you night. can begin to ask for permission. You can ask for permission on coaches. You can ask for permission on GMs. Remember on GMs, no team has to grant you permission while they're in the playoffs. No team. They can decide yes or they can decide no. In Thomas's case, um, to Steve's point on Thomas, so in Thomas' case, they said, yes, but you can't come to Atlanta. You can do it virtually. And so that's what we did. We followed what they told us. Um, uh, and, and so I would say you don't look for just predictability come Monday after the, you because know, you, you just don't know. But I think virtual gives us all a better chance to get a lot of these done because I don't think you, you don't have airplanes. You don't, you know, you don't have all those issues of logistics of getting a coach from here to there, a, 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 a GM from here to there, wherever it may be. You don't have those logistical challenges that, that you can do on Zoom or on Teams because uh, we're Microsoft company. Um, so um, that's that's that,
0: that would be my two cents to you on that process. There he is, Rich McKay, on the general manager and coach process. Sorry for the coughs in there. I didn't know I was going to put this on the Bowtie Chronicles at the time. And uh, the writing, you heard some writing. Uh, and uh, then a couple tweets came in at the end there. So one from LinkedIn and one from Jason Butt. But um, we're going to wrap up here. we got to look at Patrick Mahomes' stats before we close out. Man, he's getting it done this year. He's leading the league in completions, 366. Uh, yards four thousand four hundred sixty-two, and uh, yards per game three hundred eighteen point seven. They're thirteen and one. He's completing sixty-seven point three percent of his passes. Thirty-six touchdowns, two five interceptions. So um, the Falcons' secondary has been under siege all season long. It's probably gonna be that way on Sunday in Kansas City so with that we're going to get on out of here we heard from Falcons President L- uh, Rich McKay at length on the head coaching search and the general manager search gave us some little history on how some of this stuff will break down and how uh, they plan to approach it You know, there's a lot of talk out there on uh, uh, you know when you call around folks say well hey he might be in the way and uh, you know we heard it too and uh, some other people heard it, uh, you know, we said that uh, we phrased it as uh, uh, folks were concerned that they just put the Tampa Bay band back together, but that's not the case. It doesn't appear to be, and he, um, you know, assured, um, he assures the candidates that, hey, I haven't sat in a meeting since '07. Or a free agency meeting since 07. He goes to Arthur. He's Arthur's conduit. He oversees the businesses and the business of football. So he's going to get people in here and let them do their job. From that interview, that's what I take. So let's uh, get ready to get on out of here. Hey, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Uh, man, I got all my shopping done. Just going to try to double check, see if... um. There are a couple other things I want to wanna get, but, um, yeah, we're all uh, set and ready to go. Just trying to decide if I want to smoke a turkey or not on uh, Christmas. The Falcons have uh, suspended all operations. No media availability, no uh, practice. so I don't have to go out there. So, All right. Let's get out of here. This is the 240th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Thanks to my man Steve Hummer for sitting in on that interview. Great questions by Steve. Take care and have a great rest of the week.
2: AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration.
0: The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements